This is Leadership in Motion with Dr. Israel Molina. Welcome to Leadership in Motion. In this episode, we'll discuss dealing with discontent. Discontent, by definition, is the lack of contentment, dissatisfaction with one's current circumstances. Dissatisfaction, the winter of our discontent by William Shakespeare. The desire for something else, unhappy with current state of being. Dealing with discontent requires serious reflective thinking of those things that we can control and the things that we really can't control. When you think about the dynamics of discontent, it comes about by desires, that's the things that we want in life, whether it's it's money, a house, a home, a car, all the things that we want and feel, feel that we actually need in our lives. It creates disappointment because a lot of our desires, sometimes we can't really obtain, maybe not right away. We may be able to if we work hard at it. It causes agitation. When you've been working for so many years to attain that house, that car, whatever it is that you actually desire, it causes agitation. And sometimes it actually affects your relationship with your, your spouse, loved one, family, because you haven't been able to attain all those things that you actually feel that you desire and you need, that you want. And when that occurs, it, it leads us to a sense of hopelessness. It will never happen. This will never happen. You know, this, you know, I can't do this. I can't do that. And which basically leads a lot of people to addiction, drug, drug addiction. It, it, it leads people into this state of uh, everybody else controls my life, not me. So that's in part the dynamics of discontent. But when you think about discontent, and when I was doing my research on this, this is kind of a kind of kind of unique. When you really think about when did our discontent actually began, you can actually look back and actually pinpoint it to the day that you were born. When you came out of your mom, that cry wasn't a cry because the doctor spanked you on the butt. That cry was a cry of discontent. That cry of discontent because you were content, well-being. You were being nurtured by your mom in a nice, warm place. You were safe and secure. But when you were born, now you're thrusted upon a world, a cold world. And... That is the cry that you let out. It's a cry of discontent. And for all of you out there that have children, to have babies, you ever notice how a baby reaches out to you? Even when the baby's just days old, weeks old, and the very first thing that the baby does is hold on to your finger. That's probably the only thing that can actually hold on to, is your finger. It's reaching out for someone. It's reaching out for contentment. It's reaching out for security, safety, nurture. As a baby gets older, 
You give them toys to play with, to other things to reach out. If you really think about it, that's the very first time you actually introduce a child to commercial items, to outside items, to actually satisfy their, their contentment. And when you give them that little rattle and the baby's playing with it, they smile, they feel they're, they're in content, they, they love that. You give them a warm bottle of milk, they're in contentment. You give them a hug, you change their diaper, they feel that all their needs are being fulfilled. That's very early in life. As we get older and our children go to school, we see that they're making relationships. Because it's not just being in the family, it's the connections that they have with other children in school, church, or wherever you go. A child needs to feel connected to others. I remember going through a commissary with my baby in the, in the shopping cart, sitting in the shopping cart, and he would smile and wave at people going by. And as I'm thinking about this, he was like making little connections, even if it was eye contact, smiling. You see those little babies and little kids, you know, in the shopping cartons, in the stores. If you smile at them, they smile back. That's the little connections that we're making. And at that point, those little things satisfy a child. As we get older, we start needing more and more things. We get exposed to commercial commercialization of products, services, things that we feel is going to give us satisfaction and happiness. You know, today, everybody has to have an iPhone, but it's not just an iPhone. It has to be the, the latest and greatest iPhone because the commercials show us that we need this. But when you really think about it, we really don't need a $1,000 cell phone to make a phone call. It's those commercials that basically keep on pounding, pounding the message in our heads that we need this to satisfy our needs in life. So when we think about dissatisfaction, discontentment, we think about all the things that we feel will make our lives better. In dealing with discontent, one has to come to the realization that we really can't ever, ever be satisfied with what we have. You see this time and time again when somebody wins the lottery, they win $100 million, $200 million, and then so like about a few years later, that person is broke. Some of the people that have won major prizes and lotteries across the country, later on, you, you see that they've gone broke because they bought a boat, they bought this, this house, they bought this car, they bought this and that, they did this and that because they think that the money is going to actually satisfy them, that's going to actually put them in contentment. But in all reality, it didn't. It's an illusion. Thinking that money will satisfy all your needs is an illusion. Sure, we can argue, oh, wow, it will. I'd love to live in misery like that. 
But in reality, it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. When doing my research for this podcast episode, I was thinking to myself, God, what, what have I seen, experienced that can actually illustrate what I'm trying to get across, the message I'm trying to get across? And one of the things that I thought about was the movie The Wizard of Oz. And we've all seen this movie over and over and over again ever since we were kids. We've seen this movie over and over and over again. But the thing about it is that we never really think about the true message that they're trying to give us. It talks about values. It talks about morals. It talks about needs. It talks about discontent. If you think about the scarecrow, the scarecrow, what did he want? He wanted a brain. You know, his head is full of straw. He wanted a brain. And he thought that that would make him content. That would make him happy if he only had a brain. So, so if sometimes in life, right, we think, hey, you know, I wish I had better, had, you know, gone to college. Maybe, you know, I had training or something like that you know, to education for, for myself. We're always looking for that same thing that the scarecrow was looking for. We're looking for a brain, knowledge, something that can, I can say, hey, hey, I'm smart. That, that would make me feel better. When you think about the lion, the cowardly lion, what did he want? The lion, he, he just wanted courage. That, that, in his life, in his eyes, in his perspective, if he had courage, he would be content. He would be happy. And I really like the line that the wizard actually said to the cowardly lion. He said, you suffer from delusions because you run away from things. It doesn't make you a coward. It makes you a wise person. And if you think about that, right, it's, it's, it was the lion's perspective. It wasn't that he was really a coward. He was basically, I guess, hey, you know, I really don't need to fight this person or anything like that. He was actually exhibiting wisdom. The Tin Man. The Tin Man wanted a heart. He wanted a heart. And if you think about relationships, other relationships that we've ever had, you know, it's basically the same thing, you know. It, we're all looking for other people to have a relationship, the sense of belongingness, the sense of loving and being loved by others. I think that I think that the wizard actually really helped him to understand something about a heart. The Tin Man was told by the by the wizard, you don't know how lucky you are not to have a heart. Because hearts can never be practical until they can be made unbreakable. And that is, that is so true. The wizard also said that a heart is not judged by how much you love, but how much people love you. And that's a pretty, pretty profound statement. So when you're looking at relationships, it's not so much as how much you love people. It's how much people love you. And it's all about character. It's all about morals. 
So when we're looking at the things that that Dorothy was looking for, Dorothy was basically stuck in escapism. She wanted to escape. She wanted to escape uh, with Toto, trying to look for the rainbow and what's over the rainbow, a land where of contentment and where the bluebirds fly and everything like that. It was just a perspective. And towards the very end, she understood that, and like she said, I won't look any further than my own backyard to seek her heart's desires. It's all about perspective. There, there are some things that we can take a look at when it comes to discontentment. Sometimes it all revolves around jobs, money. Jobs and money. We feel that we need more money. A lot of times people get caught in a job. And a job is basically a place where you just go to work. I'm just here for the money. That's it. But there's also careers where you feel that you are really invested in, in this corporation. You really enjoy your place of work and you want to make it a career. You want to move up. But then, so ultimately, what we should all be looking and striving for is a calling. A calling is not really a job. It could be a career. You're moving up. But most of all, it's about doing something, fulfilling your own happiness by doing your your providing a service, doing your job. A lot of folks that work with with animals in the zoo or or you know sometimes even in your pet shop or a veterinarian shop, they basically love working with animals. It's it's their calling. I work on military installations and I do a lot of work for military troops. I call that also a calling. I'm there helping them, serving them, providing them whatever it is that they need to to accomplish whatever they want to do. Another factor of discontent is relationships, belongingness. A lot of folks are in a situation where, well, they don't have a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever the case may be and stuff. And I, I've even told my son, hey, you know, Miss Wright's not going to be coming to the front door and say, hey, uh, hey, uh, would I have to go out on a date or anything? You have to go out. You have to put your heart out and reach out to people. And people will reach out to you. Material needs. Material needs. One of the things that we have to put into perspective is what is it that we need as opposed to what is it that we want? I need a house, home, shelter. I need a car to get to work. Those are the things that I need. What do I want? I don't want a big house. Sure, I want a, a Corvette or whatever the case may be. But are they practical? Does does a brand new Corvette going to make a difference in me going back and forth to work? Not really, but it's going to make a difference in my bank account where I, when I don't have money, you know, to sometimes to pay anything else other than a payment on a car. Materialistic needs is something that we have to take a look at. Will this that I want actually satisfy my needs? Is it something that I really want in life? Because, you know, I really don't really care about too much. And when it comes to materialistic needs, right, it's one of the things you have to think about is being grateful. 
being grateful for everything that you have. I'm grateful for, for my house, my home, my car. Sure, it might be an old car or something like that. The house is okay. I need to go ahead and fix things left and right. But I'm grateful for absolutely everything I have. So I try not to be in a position of discontent because I'm satisfied with what I have. Education, training. Um, one of the things about education that people actually think is that, oh, I went to school, got a four-year degree, got my bachelor's degree. I'm very content with that. And then so they're like, you know, I wish I had a master's degree. And, you know, I'll admit I was in that position too. I'm like, okay, cool. So I worked hard and got my master's degree. And then so I decided, well, maybe a doctor's degree would be pretty nice. Dr. Molina, that sounds really cool. So I went to school. But did it satisfy my need for education? Did it satisfy that? I'll admit that I learn every single day. And what I learned is that learning, education, training is lifelong. You, you can't say, well, I know it all. That's it. I'm done. I got my four-year degree. No, because learning is a, life, a lifelong endeavor. You can never stop learning. So I think if you're ever going to be discontent, it will be in the fact that as you live and grow and experience things, you learn. And that's something that you can never, never, ever be content with. Another factor in discontent is health. Health. Did we have time to exercise in the morning or exercise when we got back home from work? Maybe did we decide to take the steps instead of taking the elevator? Maybe during lunch we went ahead and walked around the block a couple of times or something. Health. What did we do to take care of our health? And one of the things about our health is not just physical. It's, it's the heart and soul. What have we done to nurture our hearts and soul? You know, if you're religious, maybe, you know, crack open the Bible, read a few passages, try to get the meaning of what the Bible is trying to tell you or whatever religion you're into. You know, there's, there's so many things out there that you can actually help you to build your, your heart, body, and, and soul. I was talking to a young man earlier this week, and the young man was about 22 years old, and he he gave me a perspective that I never really thought about. And he was saying that everything actually boils down to the rule of two-thirds. So I asked him to, to explain what, what's the rule of two-thirds. I never, never really thought about that. And he told me that if you picture in your mind a pyramid, a three-sided pyramid, at the top will be money, on the left side, family, friends, relationships, and on the other side, health. I guess health and well-being would be on the other side. And what he said is that, realistically, we can only satisfy two-thirds of our desires and needs. I guess our desires and needs and our contentment, if you want to put it in that perspective. So if you work really hard at a job and you're putting 10, 12 hours a day to make money, okay, sure, that, that's pretty good. And when you 
do have time, you know, you, 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 you're there, you know, hanging out with your friends, you're establishing relationships and everything like that, at what cost? Probably your health, because, you know, you kind of got stressed out, you know, maybe a little bit stretched out and stuff, right? You were doing too much, and maybe you didn't really think about maybe going and exercising and doing everything that you have to, to take care of your health. Or if you just go ahead and, and basically are one of those people who are a social bug and always into um, relationships and everything, and probably health, you know, is also on your mind. So maybe you go exercise with your friends and this or that, but you really didn't give, give it too much time to make any money or something. So, you know, you really didn't satisfy that portion of it. Or if you, you know, again, did put a lot of emphasis on money and health, probably your relationships are struggling. So what he was trying to get across is that it's you, it's never over. You can never be content. You, the, the pyramid would never be complete. By rules of two-thirds, you can only satisfy two-thirds of your, all your contentment. Something's always going to lack. But if you really think about it, our whole entire life should be in pursuit of happiness. Thomas Jefferson actually stated that you have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness. But what's so crazy about it, when you really think about that statement, the pursuit of happiness, it doesn't guarantee that you will be happy. It's just that it's a pursuit. It's a constant effort. It's a constant struggle. It's a constant path, a constant journey. You're constantly on this pursuit of happiness. And that, that is the whole entire, whole entire uh, ideal of discontentment. You have to be discontent to be actually in pursuit of happiness. Th that is kind of, uh, you know, thought-provoking. But it's something that, you know, you have, to, you have to think about. So when you start getting into depression, start getting, you know, feelings of hopelessness because you haven't accomplished all the things that you, you wanted in life. Just remember that you are not defined by your accomplishments. You define your accomplishments. I did really good going to school. I feel good about how I did in school and stuff. I decide that, hey, this is good. This is good enough. If you like to play basketball, hey, you know, I may never be Michael Jordan. <laughs> That's guaranteed. But I'm happy. Hey, I can, I, I can shoot a ball once in a while and stuff, right? Probably not that good at it. One of the things that I really like to do is play tennis. I love playing tennis. Can I really hit a good serve all the time? No, I can't. Do I struggle with a backhand uh, once in a while? Yes. Put it over the court all the time. But guess what? I'm happy. At least I got out there and I, and I played. I did this and that. I went out there. I went to school. Got my degree. I feel pretty good about that. So contentment is your perspective. It's all about there's a terminology, and I'm not going to go too much into this, but I'm sure you can probably Google it and try to get some more information on it. 
And the terminology is locus of control. It's the degree to which we feel that we are in control of the things in our life. The things in our life basically are needs and all our desires, our locus of control. Sometimes people believe that somebody else is in control of their life. But it's the degree. It's, an, it's a psychological term, locus of control. Look it up and take and see and actually do some reflective thinking about how you perceive your inner power, your inner strength to actually control what is around you. Again, the discontent is perspective. It's your own perspective. It's something that was brought upon yourself. You actually feel that you're out of control. Something, something that you can actually take, take control. It's all about perspective, about how you feel about yourself. And it all goes back to self-esteem. If I feel good about myself, hey, <laughs> I, I, you know, I may not be good at sports or may not be good at this or that, but I feel good about myself. It's all about also self-esteem. So take a look at that. I'd like to thank you for listening to my podcast. And um, I'd like to take um, this time to, to let you know that if you'd like to contact us, our email is leadershipinmotion036 at gmail.com. And in the future, we're going to go ahead and uh, we have a um, Leadership in Motion forum where I'm going to go ahead and put topics out there. And you're going to be able to go ahead and, and provide us some input on, on the topics. And if you folks want to you know, talk about different topics, we're going to be able to go ahead and do that on, on this Leadership in Motion forum that we're going to introduce probably uh, next week. We're going to go ahead and do that. And I also have in the works Leadership in Motion Halftime, where we're going to go ahead and provide a Thursday Leadership in Motion podcast. And those are going to be um, revolving around interviews. So right now I'm trying to schedule folks for Leadership in Motion Halftime, and I'm really hoping that you guys will, will enjoy that. But if I can ask you to do me a favor, and if you're on iTunes, iHeartRadio, can you give us a like? Can, if you like the program, if you, if you like uh, what we're trying to do here, like I said, this is all f free mentoring, free training, f everything that I can do for you folks, right? Give us a like, subscribe on iTunes, or wherever you get your, your podcasts. I would really appreciate it. I thank you very much for listening to my podcast. I really do appreciate it. And as always, take the lead today for a better tomorrow. This has been Leadership in Motion with Dr. Israel Molina. Please subscribe to our podcast.